This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. It's Kelly and Rumia on your AMI feed, AMI audio, AMI TV. We are here daily. Check us out. And also check us out on your favorite podcast platform because that's where we are on demand and cater to your schedule. Look at that. It's a nice little promo. On Tuesdays, we get to a veterinarian conversation. We call it Ask a Vet and we do this with Dr. Danielle Johnkind. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. I don't know if we're getting into human psychology today, but we are definitely getting into relationships and sometimes the strain around them. So many relationships between people run into some kind of difficulty sooner or later. And this is and can be the case between veterinarians and their clients and what kind of situations uh, happen that can lead to difficulties, what can be done to prevent these things from recurring or occurring. Dr. Danielle Johnkind is going to give us some insights, maybe some personal experiences uh, to talk about these relationships and make our relationships with our veterinarians stronger. I love this conversation, Danielle. In June... We talked about reasons people sometimes leave a veterinary practice. Now, assuming that a person is happy with the services that are being offered, the location of their um, veterinarians, and the hours that the practices are open, what kind of situations, other situations maybe, that uh, what are they that can come up that can lead to difficulties between vets and clients? Well, let me start by saying I am not a human psychologist. <laughs> not, not even through Definitely. night school yet? I haven't gone not around to it yet? All right, only anecdotal <laughs> no, no. things here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a mom, and that's as close as it gets, right? Oh, that's a lot <laughs> that's of work there. There's big, a night yeah. course. That's, that's a, a life big course. Headway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, you know, we did talk about um, some of these things in June, but, you know, we can sort of expand maybe a bit on them today. So, you know, a big, you know, potential situation that can lead to difficulties that I hear about a lot, of course, is the cost of veterinary care. Um, that can cause friction between veterinarians and their clients. Um, while there are low-cost veterinary services available, of course, that are subsidized by other organizations, most people are using the services of private clinics, you know, which are businesses they have to make money in order to stay open. And, you know, from the veterinarian's perspective, you know, we're people too. We have groceries to buy and kids to put through school, rent or mortgages to pay, just like everybody else. So we, you know, we have to make our own ends meet. We can't work for free. Um, and of course, when a person chooses to get a pet, they also choose to take on the financial responsibility of adopting one. But from the from the client's perspective, you know, it can be really difficult, you know, to judge to juggle these priorities for spending, um, especially when someone's circumstances change unexpectedly. So. You know, sometimes people get laid off, they get a divorce, 
um, they have changes in their health, um, and all of these things can have catastrophic consequences for someone's financial situation. And you know, when you add a sick pet and veterinary costs into that sort of situation, you can easily see how those stressful circumstances can lead to difficulties between vets and their clients. Mm. It's interesting, Danielle, because you hear some people say, well, if you can't afford to have a pet, you shouldn't have a pet, and all these different things, as if it's a stereo system they've gone out and bought, and it's been a little extravagant when they could have gone for something a little cheaper. And I think <laughs> so many times we recognize now, there's a lot of that companion, the mental health piece, and people just wanting that company, wanting that pet to love, and 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 those circumstances, I think sometimes we get a little too high-handed about, well, if you can't afford or can't do, but you do have to obviously think about that. So can we talk about some of the other situations that can create some difficulties? For sure. And you're right. And I think it's really important to suspend judgment. Like you can't assume that somebody, you know, that their situation is going to stay the same as it was five or 10 years ago. You can't assume that you know, you know, what their situation is like. So, you know, suspending that judgment on whether they could have or could not have afforded a pet, I think is really important. But, you know, some other situations that can create difficulties, you know, um, unrealistic expectations is another big one. Um, the science and art that is veterinary medicine, you know, it, it has limitations. Um, you know, no matter how much money, time or effort you throw at some health problems, there are in reality, there are going to be some that just can't be fixed. Um, we also have to consider the management limitations for every situation. I mean, we have some pets that have temperaments that won't allow for certain interventions, like a cat that a client can't give pills to, for example, or an aggressive dog that needs to be sedated for every visit for safety reasons. Um, sometimes clients have physical limitations that prevent them from being able to do things for their pets, like an elderly person trying to lift a big dog into a bathtub mm. three times a week to bath them for a skin condition. Um, so, you know, unrealistic expectations can happen on both sides of the veterinarian client relationship. So I think it's something that everyone should be aware of. And another one is um, emotions running high, you know, is another issue, of course, that can lead to difficulties in any relationship, but in this one too. Um, attachment to our pets is the very definition of the human-animal bond. And when that bond is threatened, it can cause all kinds of emotional reactions. You know, we see frustration, we see anger, we see fear, we see resentment. You know, if we're not careful, you know, these things can motivate people to lash out against others inappropriately. And of course, veterinarians are not allowed to do this. I mean, you know, anyone who does faces serious consequences for professional misconduct. But a client who does this to their veterinarian can drive a wedge between themselves and the person who's trying to help them. And, you know, at best that complicates the delivery of effective care for the pet and at worst it can compromise it. So we really want to kind of avoid that situation at all costs. What are some strategies for difficulty, uh, navigating the kind of difficulties that could come up when it's, you know, veterinarians and clients and the things that you can face? 
Well, you know, I think the biggest strategy is communication. And, you know, I really can't stress that enough. And, you know, there are two components to effective communication between vets and clients. And of course, the first is education. So, you know, both parties need to make sure they understand the other person's perspective, which means they have to volunteer the needed information. And so for veterinarians, a lot of this communication is actually a legislated requirement known as informed consent. So your veterinarian has to communicate to you what they know of your pet's condition, the recommended courses of action, and the potential consequences of accepting or declining various courses of action. They're also required to disclose the costs associated with their recommendations in the form of an itemized invoice and to provide an estimate if you request one. From a client's perspective, educating your veterinarian on your own unique situation is just as crucial. You know, maybe um, you have physical or financial limitations which affect how you can care for your pet. You know, what are your goals and expectations um, with respect to veterinary care for your pet? So, you know, both sides have this education thing to, you know, prevent some of these difficulties. And the second part of the communication, of course, is listening. So in my experience, this is where things sometimes break down. Mm. <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone needs to be heard. You know, they, they need to feel like their concerns have been addressed. And listening is really important for vets to understand the limitations clients have in implementing recommendations. And it's important for clients to understand what vets can and can't do for pets within those limitations. So listening really can help us to eliminate that problem of unrealistic expectations that I mentioned earlier. In other circumstances, people have other pressures on them that prevent them from really listening. You know, um, time is a big one for both veterinarians and clients. Um, it could be difficult to slow down and really hear someone when you know you're supposed to be somewhere else, right? And of course, our emotions can also prevent us from listening effectively at times. So, you know, being aware of that in ourselves and having coping strategies in place for when that's an issue is really important. And of course, the other overarching strategy to navigating difficulty is is having a commitment to making the relationship work, you know, between a veterinarian and their clients. So, you know, understand the limitations of the situation, you know, and then we're going to commit to doing what we can within those limitations. And we're going to accept the responsibility for the consequences of our decision making. Mm. So, you know, all of that's really important. I think you mentioned um, uh, that you know, there's competing interest for time and that can be the barrier for listening between vets and clients. So do you have any suggestions for managing that? Because this is the, the part you said about listening is very, very true. And if we have the capacity to listen to what you're saying, um, we can acknowledge that this is a big proponent of the relationship management. Yeah. And, you know, I think when it comes to time, you know, scheduling is everyone's friend to manage time efficiency. Right. Um, veterinarians can help by scheduling enough time and staff to handle the expected appointment load. And clients can help by booking their appointments accurately. Um, we get a lot of things like I booked for vaccines, but my dog hasn't eaten in a week appointments, you know, and that can really throw a monkey wrench into the works, you know, causing other pets to start stocking up in the waiting room. Um, also being late for an appointment can do the same thing. Um, we have to remember other people in the waiting room may have constraints on their time too, and they don't want to wait for their booked appointment time. 
Um, clients, of course, can leave themselves extra time for travel, be organized with their lists of concerns before any appointments. Um, but, you know, on the vet side, like if a pet is unexpectedly sick, you know, that can throw a monkey wrench into a client's day too, right? right? So you can always ask if your vet has extended hours or drop-off services where you could drop your pet at the clinic and pick them up later, remaining available for, you know, decision-making over the phone. Some vets also have walk-in services where you don't need an appointment to be seen. You can ask about that. And um, other strategies that can help clients with time constraints are maybe having someone else bring the pet in for them, you know, um, or using telemedicine to decide how urgent it is to get your pet in to be seen right away. And it also kind of helps to understand that your vet may have to triage their time, you know. During an appointment, don't be offended if they have to cut their conversation short because they're urgently needed elsewhere. Um, your vet might be able to connect with you again later or get another staff member to step in for now. And that staff member can give them the Coles Notes version of your concerns when they have some time later. And you can also ask for other accommodations that help with time constraints, maybe an email or a text message from your vet um, when they have time to send one and you have time to read it can be help too, helpful too. Daniel, before we wrap, any last thoughts on just the overall you know, understanding of this segment? Just one, it's not something we often consider, but you know, vets and presumably clients too kind of dread having difficulties with each other. Yeah. But I think we, we can look at that situation dif differently. You know, difficulties are actually an opportunity. In my experience, some of the most lo loyal clients are the ones who found themselves in difficult conversations with their vet at one time or another, you know, and overcoming those difficulties and soldiering on, you know, it leads to this trust and a stronger relationship mm -hmm. between vets and their clients. So really, that's a win-win for everybody. And if you kind of come at it from that perspective, you know, you really shouldn't dread it. Exactly. Repairing ruptures, as my therapist calls it. Thank you so much, Danielle. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Have a good week. All right. That was Danielle Johnkind joining us for Ask a Veterinarian. This is a weekly segment on Tuesdays, if you're joining us on Tuesday, that you can tune into. After the break, we have a bi-weekly conversation that we have with nutritionist Julia Karanchis, and she's talking about chili and all its mighty nutrients. We'll be right back. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.